16, John chapter 16, up here in the auditorium. Now next week, we will be having our mission conference, and so both Saturday and Sunday, we'll be having a guest speaker with us, uh, Daniel Darling, and his family are missionaries to Spain. And so we look forward to fellowshipping with them and learning from them and seeing how God is going to use them in Spain. And I hope you'll be here for those services and participate in all that's going on in Mission Conference. It's one of our two highlights of the year and a great deal of preparation and money and effort are put into Mission Conference and later this year in October we'll be having a family conference as well. All right, John chapter 16, you are there. I wanted to say one other word about the baptism and that is that, you know, if there are others who need to be baptized in obedience to the Lord, that is a uh, important first step after salvation to publicly declare your faith and ultimately it's an individual decision it's between you and God to decide to tell others about your faith what I mean by that is um, especially with children it's not ultimately a, a parental decision now I know parents have some input some guidance and that sort of thing but um, ultimately it is that person's faith and that person's declaration of faith and so if you uh, have someone in your family or if you yourself need to be baptized, um, I'm available. You can submit a card. You can talk with me and make plans about baptism. John chapter 16, you are already there. You're ahead of me. Let's stand together. And today we're going to be reading verse 12 down to verse 22. John 16, that's page 1028 in the Simplified. Beginning in verse 12, reading down through verse 22. Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Although when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he hears, that he shall speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall not receive of mine and shall declare it to you. I'm sorry, he shall receive of mine and shall declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he shall take of mine and declare it to you. A little while, and you shall not see me. And again, a little while, and you shall see me, because I go to the Father. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, What is this that he said to us? A little while, and you shall not see me. And again, a little while, and you shall see me. And because I go to the Father. Therefore they said, What is this that he says a little while? We cannot tell what he says. Now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him. And he said, and said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves of what I said? A little while, and you shall not see me. And again, a little while, and you shall see me. Truly, truly, I say to you, that you shall weep and lament but the world shall rejoice, and you shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has delivered the child, she does not remember the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and no man will take your joy from you. Let's have prayer together. 
Brother Rosario, would you pray for us, please? Amen. Please be seated. I've entitled the message today, Jesus Reassures His Disciples. These disciples were worried that Jesus was leaving. And this has kind of been the theme for the last few messages about Jesus' departure. But, you know, it's one thing when your, your world is completely changing, your hopes are completely being changed from what you expected. It's one thing for that to happen. But it's another thing when the person who is causing all that to be says things that you don't understand. Uh, you know, <laughs> Jesus is saying some things that are hard for them to hear in the first place. And then there's some things that they simply don't understand. Um, I want to say that sometimes you will read your Bible and you will read words that you do not understand. Sometimes God will do something in your life and you do not understand it. And sometimes as we pray and seek the Lord, he explains to us. Other times he just says, I'll explain that to you later. Just trust me for now. Well, these disciples in this middle section, they go on and on about this one phrase that Jesus said, inquiring, confused, and uh, eventually Jesus does help explain it to them. But as he's departing off the scene, he's pointing them to who will come in his place. Um, some have even used the word successor and uh, it's an interesting choice of words, but Christ ministered for his time on earth. When he died, when he rose again, he then, about 40 days later, ascended up to heaven, and his bodily presence is gone. If anyone tells you they've seen the Lord Jesus bodily, um, they are confused, okay? Um, at best, uh, uh, Paul and a few others saw the Lord from heaven shining down, but uh, there's, no, um, there's no time where the Lord has physically, uh, bodily appeared, to this earth because that is coming at a certain point in time when all believers will know. And so in the meantime, Christ has gone to heaven. The Holy Spirit has come to serve, to minister, to teach, to do many, many of the things that Jesus did. I believe even to perform miracles. The Holy Spirit is on this earth. And so Jesus is trying to point them to the fact that he is going away, but the Holy Spirit is coming. And so he's saying, I'm going away. And they are disturbed. But he says, it's actually better for you that I go away. And he's, he's kind of stating in, a, in, a, in 2024 language, he's saying, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And you know, deep down in our hearts, every one of us wants to simply know that it's going to be okay. And Jesus is telling them, it is going to be okay. Um, and so he points them to the Spirit. He answers their question. And then later he points them to the joy that is yet to come. So three basic parts to the text today. Verse 12, he tells them, and he's, he says specifically of the Holy Spirit here, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. He, he says, I have other things to say to you, but you can't bear them. You can't handle them. Um, it's the idea you can't process them, or you couldn't grasp them, you couldn't understand them now. And he says, when the Spirit comes, he'll, he'll tell you about those things. Um, maybe you've had children ask you questions, and you've had to tell them, well, when you get a little older, we'll talk about that, right? Um, you know, sometimes there are things, when your four-year-old says, Daddy, what is the Holocaust? You know, 
you, you kind of just say it was a time when people were mean to each other, and you just leave it at that, right? You don't go into an in-depth explanation with a four-year-old. And here are these disciples. They've been with Jesus for four years, uh, oh, three and a half, four years, depending. And he, he tells them, look, I have, so, I have more that I want to tell you. I have so much more I want to say, but, but you can't handle it. And in, for us, where we sit today, um, God teaches us over time, doesn't he? And there are some truths that he really unfolds to our understanding at a season of life where we couldn't have maybe understood that years ago. And uh, it's a little different today because we have a complete Bible and everyone is kind of learning and growing in their own different ways and everything. And so it's not quite as direct as we would see here with these disciples. But he still tells them, I have more to tell you of, but you cannot bear them now. Let me also remind you that these men were apostles They had cast out demons. They had preached to others. They knew some stuff. But there were still things they had to learn. And Christian, no matter how far along the journey you are, there are still some things where God says, you can't bear this now, but I'm going to teach you. I'm going to work with you on this. In the past, you couldn't have learned this lesson, but I'm going to teach you now. And so each of us has a part of our life that we are not yet complete in. And God is still teaching and working. All throughout the scripture, we find an unfolding, a progressive truth that is on display. And for these apostles, they knew a lot. They knew that Jesus was the Christ. But you know, there were some things they didn't know. They didn't know when the kingdom would be restored to Israel. They asked that question in Acts chapter 1. They didn't know the full meaning of the church and how the Gentiles would be added to the body of Christ and how the body of Christ would be a new entity and Israel would be set aside for a time. They didn't understand some of this yet. And in fact, God by the Spirit told Paul about some of these things. So there was more truth to come. You cannot handle it now. Uh, This truth was kind of told uh, in John chapter 14 as well. But when the Comforter, who is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And bring to remembrance all things that I have said to you. So in verse 13, he continues on and he says, Although when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he hears, that he shall speak, and he will show you things to come. Here in this verse, we we find quite a lot of of, uh, truth here. We find the spirit is, is going to speak. He is going to talk to these disciples, these apostles, and these are some of the things that he is going to speak to them about. First, in verse 13, we find truth. The Holy Spirit in this verse is called the Spirit of Truth. When he, the Spirit of Truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. And Jesus is telling these disciples they don't have to fear for where they will find the truth because the Holy Spirit will guide them into all truth. Jesus was the teacher. I mean, Jesus would have the crowds. He would tell his parables. He would tell his doctrines. He would even debate with the religious leaders of the day. And these disciples are thinking to themselves, Jesus is going away. How on earth are we going to know where to turn? What's right and what's wrong? And Christian, can I remind us that the Holy Spirit has been given to point us to truth. Now, in our application today where we live, sometimes the truth can get kind of gray. Sometimes the truth can be fuzzy. And our world sometimes tries to confuse things. And sometimes we know something's wrong, but we can't explain why, right? You ever been there? Something just doesn't, 
seem right about that, but I, I don't have a good explanation, but something's not right about that. You know, sometimes that's the Holy Spirit guiding us and saying, you know, just stay away from that. Or maybe you need to study the Word and find out why that's wrong, but that is a problem. And the Holy Spirit does guide us to truth. He does. Now, it's not a promise of full truth. Now, notice what it says in the verse, in verse 13. It says, the Spirit, uh, the Spirit of truth, when He has come, He will guide you into all truth. Now, it, it almost sounds like He's saying that they're going to be omnipotent, right? They're going to know everything. Well, in Greek, it has an, it has an article, and it's, it's the idea of all the truth. And the truth meaning the truth that God has for them, the truth of the Scripture, the truth God wants them to know. The Spirit will guide them into all the truth. They will not be all-knowing like God Himself, no, but rather they will know all that they need to know, all the truth that God has for them. God's not going to leave them hanging. He's not going to leave them without the truth that they need. And sometimes, as a Christian, you may sense like, oh, there's so much out there in this world and there's so many problems and so many things going on. I wish I could just know all the truth about everything. Well, that might be a little too much for us to handle, right? Our brains might explode. I mean, we might blow up under the stress of all that truth. Um, But you know what we can be assured of? That God will guide us to the truth that we need for our lives. He's not going to leave us empty. He's not going to leave us hanging. He will give us the truth we need at the time that we need it. As we seek Him, as we know Him, as He works in our life, we can know the truth. And Christian, there's something calming to our hearts about simply knowing the truth. Knowing the truth of the Scripture. Knowing that Jesus died for me and my eternity is settled with Him. Knowing that God has promised to give me grace for this day, that is truth for us. Recently on Wednesday night, we looked through Philippians 4. And there's a lot in that passage about anxiety. Um, A lot of good uh, teachings. But then when you get further down, in verse 13, there's a very famous verse that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that, the fact of that verse, that God will give us grace to go through any situation, any trial. In context, Paul was talking about going through hard times. And he says, I can endure all things through Christ who strengthens me. That truth gives us grace for the day. It gives, us, it gives us the truth we need to go forward in any situation. We can do, we can endure all things through Christ who strengthens us. So he says he will guide you into all truth. And then after that in verse 13, it says, For he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he hears, that he shall speak. The Holy Spirit speaking here is speaking truth. But also, he is not just speaking alone. And that's why I've entitled the next subpoint their union. The Holy Spirit is working in complete harmony with God the Son and with God the Father. When it says he will not speak of himself, it's not saying he'll never use the pronoun I. All right? It's not saying he, he will never talk about himself because if you've noticed, the Holy Spirit gave us the Scripture and it talks about the Holy Spirit in the Scripture, right? So it's not saying the Holy Spirit will not talk about himself. Rather, it's saying he will not speak by himself. In other words, he will not speak under his own authority. Now we say, well, that's kind of strange because the Holy Spirit is God. So, so why does that matter? I mean, we, we would be content to know that God himself speaks, but... The reason it's so important 
is Jesus is lining up his ministry and the Holy Spirit's ministry, and he's saying, they're the same. They're the same. And so, for instance, in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they began to speak in other tongues, right? Do you remember that? Other languages. That was the power of the Holy Spirit, but that was also what Jesus wanted. That was Jesus' work as well as the Holy Spirit's work. It was God's plan. And so when the Spirit says something, it is always in line with what the Son wants. And when the Son says something, it is always in line with what the Father wants. There's complete unity among the Godhead. There is one God, but there is three persons of the Godhead. And there is one Spirit that is God, but God the Spirit exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. When this Holy Spirit comes, He will not talk by himself, or of his own authority, or of his own power or will, but rather, the verse goes on to say, whatever he hears, that he shall speak. So when the Holy Spirit speaks, he is speaking something that he has heard. Where has he heard it from? From God the Son or God the Father. And, and this shows us that as we live in this world, as we have the Holy Spirit within us, we have Christ within us. We have the Father within us. God Himself is within us. And so when God the Spirit tells us, you need to slow down in your life, or you need to share Christ with your neighbor, or you need to uh, take a gift over to so-and-so, when the Spirit leads you in this sort of way, to disobey Him is to disobey the Lord Jesus. And sometimes we, we struggle with this part because when Jesus was alive on earth, He was very physical. He was right there. And so if Jesus asked His disciple to carry this basket of loaves from here to there, you know, it, it was maybe a little more difficult to say, no, I won't do that, right? Because it was the Lord Jesus physically right there. But when it's the Holy Spirit within our hearts, sometimes we feel a greater willingness to tell Him no. And if we remember what this is saying, whenever the Spirit is speaking, it is also Christ speaking. It is also God the Father speaking. And our obedience and our listening to the Holy Spirit is completely connected to listening to God Himself. There's no distinction in the Godhead in this way. As we look at this verse, and there's maybe a couple other verses that people sometimes get a little confused, and they act as though the Spirit never talks about the Spirit. And, um, and they say, uh, you know, a ministry that, that where the Holy Spirit's talked about or preached on, is not glorifying Jesus because the Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus. Well, uh, it is true that the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus, but just to talk about or preach about or lay out the truth of the Holy Spirit, that is a good thing, a godly thing, and a biblical thing. And there is not a, a word wrong with it. Do you remember a couple years ago we had a conference on the Holy Spirit? Remember that? I had a couple pastors even say to me, boy, are you, are you really sure you should be doing that? And I thought to myself, my goodness, can we not have a conference on God himself here? Um, this is, uh, the Holy Spirit's work in our life is very, very precious, very important. And uh, most certainly it is not wrong to talk about the Spirit of God. Later, at the end of verse 13, it says, and he will show you things to come. He will show you things to come. Now this little statement, this little comment seems so minor but it's actually very important for understanding something about the New Testament. And that is this. The Holy Spirit was promised that he would bring remembrance to the disciples. 
So when John wrote his gospel and he got out his pen on that vellum, parchment, original, whatever he was writing on in those days, and when he began to write, he wrote under the power of the Holy Spirit. And he wrote with a memory that the Holy Spirit gave him so he would accurately remember what happened and what was said. Um, and it says the Spirit will bring all things to your remembrance. Well, this verse says he will show you things to come. Well, what are some things in the New Testament that are things to come? Is there anything that's coming for the Christian that hasn't happened yet? There sure is. What's one of those things? The rapture. That's right. And after the rapture, we have a time on this earth called the tribulation. And there's great suffering on this earth. And then after that, Christ himself comes to earth and we have 1,000 years. How do we know all this stuff? Because the Holy Spirit came as Jesus promised. And when he came to these disciples, he showed them things to come. And this is a clear declaration that the Holy Spirit would lead in prophecy. In the Old Testament, there was many prophecies of Christ. And he fulfilled a number of them when he was here on this earth. Did he fulfill all of them? No, he did not. There are some that he will yet fulfill when he comes the second time. And so there's prophecy that has been fulfilled by Christ, and there's prophecy that is still yet to be fulfilled by Christ. And now after he came and he ascended to heaven, there's more prophecy that's been given, and it's a, a pointing to the future. And we as believers, if we are to ignore prophecy, we are to ignore the Holy Spirit. And there are some Christians that minimize prophecy. And some try to explain it away and act as though it's not important or it's all been completed. No, there's things that are yet to come. And the Holy Spirit has told us of these things. And if the Holy Spirit is taking time to tell us of prophetic things, they are important. Now, verse 13 and verse 14 and verse 15 all end with the same verb, although there's two different words in our Bibles. At the end of verse 13, it says, and he will show you things to come. That word show is the same word that we find at the end of verse 14, and shall declare it to you. That word declare is our word. And then at the end of verse 15, we find that same word occurring, declare it to you. And the meaning, it's all the same Greek word, and the meaning is to show or to declare, but the idea is it's not with the eyes, it's with the ears. And so the Spirit of God is revealing truth and He's speaking words that are showing and revealing and declaring these truths to us. Verse 14 is where we will go next. And this I just call His focus. It says that the Spirit speaking will have a certain focus in verse 14. He shall glorify me. He shall glorify me. Now we just mentioned this. The Spirit's work is to point to Jesus. If you were here last week, we talked about the Holy Spirit convicting the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. In, in those final verses, 11, 12, and 13, the Holy Spirit is working on the world. In these verses, verse 12, 13, 14, 15, the Holy Spirit is working in the believer, specifically in the apostles, and then also all the believers as a whole. But he says he's going to show you things. He's going to teach you things. He's going to um, not speak by himself, but he'll speak in union with the Trinity. And then in verse 14, he says, he shall glorify me. When the Holy Spirit is working, he is glorifying Christ. 
And I want to ask a simple question. Is Jesus worthy of glory? Absolutely. Some of you are still, still meditating on that. It's not a trick question. Is Jesus worthy of glory? Absolutely. Now, it says that the Holy Spirit has come to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And it also says that the Holy Spirit is going to glorify Jesus. Next question. Where does the Holy Spirit live? Well, you say, not in a temple made with hands, that's for sure. Not in this building per se. Although right now it's sort of the truth because we are in it, right? He dwells in believers. And the reason I bring this out is that we have the Holy Spirit living within us and we have a world that needs, through the Spirit, needs to be convicted of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And we have the Holy Spirit living within us who says He will glorify Jesus. So who do you think is in cooperation with the Spirit to glorify Jesus? We are. We are. His mission is our mission. And so when we look at this work of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, I've gone to heaven, but I've sent the Holy Spirit, and He's going to glorify me. And so that means the Spirit in your life is glorifying Jesus. And as we go through our life, we need to look for ways to lift up Christ with our words, with our life, with our money, with our time. What can we do to lift up Jesus? What can we do to glorify Him? The world needs Christ. Christ is up in heaven. Who's in the middle here? Who's in the middle is believers. And the Holy Spirit has come to the world and He has indwelt believers. And then He says, He will glorify me. And so let's, let's connect this for just a moment with our mission conference next week. We support missionaries who are telling people about Jesus. They're giving out this truth of Jesus. And... Let's, let's talk for just a moment about Brother Lloyd and Brother Todd. And I'll share the nation with you later. I try not to mention the nation specifically because of some of the challenges they have with governmental things. But, but these two that we support and we pray for, and they're, we're their sending church, all right? They're, we're kind of like church number one on their list of support and prayer. They're going to the world. And especially where they live, there are very, very few Christians. Very few believers. And Lloyd is working in a community where there's almost none. I mean, literally almost zero in the, the language group that he's focusing on. With, with Todd and Rachel, there's a few, but on a percentage basis, you're probably looking at less than 1% of the nation. And what I'm wanting us to see here is that they have the Holy Spirit. And when they go where they live and they work where they work, they have the Holy Spirit go with them. He indwells them. And they go to that place and they start talking about Jesus. They start sharing that Jesus died for them and they start sharing that God created the world and they start laying out these truths. And guess what? Verse 11 and 12 and 13 says that the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And so here they are, Todd and Rachel and Lloyd, and they're magnifying Jesus, right? They have the Holy Spirit. They're telling others of Christ. And we stand a step back from them because we're here in the U.S., but we also have the Holy Spirit, and we also want Jesus to be glorified. And so we say, we're going to pray for you. We're going to send you money every month. We're going to keep in touch so we know what's going on with you. And what's happening is that Jesus is being glorified. 
And there are people who are hearing about Jesus, literally, who have never heard of him in their life. There are some people, especially that Todd meet, or that Lloyd meets, where uh, they, they have no concept at all about who he is. Just here in our own church, I've been doing Bible study, uh, not the last few weeks, but at the end of 2023, doing Bible study with some that knew nothing about Christ. And what is our role? Our role is to glorify Jesus. We're to say Jesus is worthy. Jesus is great. Jesus is worth it. His name is above all names. His power is unlimited. Jesus is the greatest. And so the Spirit is within us, and He is magnifying Christ. And so my question then is, if the Spirit is within us, and we're not glorifying Christ, we're not magnifying Him, then there's a disconnect between us and the Holy Spirit. There's a roadblock, or there's a... Um, a break in the lines, if you will. There's something wrong if our life isn't glorifying Jesus because we have the Holy Spirit who is promised to glorify Jesus. Verse 15, I'm sorry, end of verse 14. And it says, For he shall receive of mine and shall declare it to you. That phrasing is a little unique there. He shall receive of mine. Um, the idea is that he received the things of me, the things which are mine. And so uh, when he glorifies me, he takes the truths that are mine or the aspects of who I am and I give them to him and then he displays them to all. He'll declare it to you. So as we learn of Jesus, the Holy Spirit knows Jesus far more than we do, right? Because he being God knows him intimately and fully and completely. But then as he works in us, he glorifies Jesus to our hearts and minds and then to a lost world around us. So the Holy Spirit is saying, this is who Jesus is. This is how Jesus looks. This is how he acts in the world. This is the heart of Jesus. And the Spirit is teaching Jesus to us. And as we learn of Christ and we learn of his ways and we see his heart and his character and his compassion and all that he is, he, it's being taught to us by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's just saying, hey, I'm, I'm taking his things and I'm giving them to you. I'm taking them from him and I'm giving them to you. So these disciples could be at rest because they could say, you know what? We're still going to learn from Jesus. <laughs> we're just going to learn through the Holy Spirit. And we're still going to learn of Christ and we're still going to get to know his heart because the Spirit will teach us these things. Now they understood a little bit of what Jesus said here, but as time went by, they understood more and more. Now, time's getting away, so we're going to end at verse 15 here, and we'll close with this verse. All things that the Father has are mine. Now, let's just pause for a, a, a really brief moment here. All things that the Father has are mine. So, quick question. This is not a trick question. Is there anything that the Father has that Jesus does not? No, absolutely not. And, and this verse is a powerful verse of the deity of Christ because how on earth could all of the Father's things be Jesus' things if Jesus is not God? Um, I mean, that is just does not equate, right? And so Jesus is saying, everything he has, I have. And then he goes on to say, therefore I said that he shall take of mine and declare it to you. So Jesus is saying, actually, everything I got is what the Father has. And then everything I have, I'm giving to the Holy Spirit. And you can see the, the train of thought here is that everything that each one has, the other has. And so there's no distinction in their power or their 
you know, abilities or their knowledge. There's no distinction at all. The only distinction that perhaps could be made is while Christ was on earth, he said he did not know the hour of his coming. And yet later, he says, all things in heaven are given to me. And so I believe that was a temporary thing for his time in humanity, in, in what we would say is humanity, uh, unglorified body humanity. And before he died on the cross, he lived very much a human existence. But in his glorified state, everything the Father has, he has. And there's this complete oneness, complete unity. And so Jesus reassures his disciples. And we should be reassured as well. When times change, when difficulties come, we are tempted to forget the most important things. We're tempted to doubt the things of Scripture. or We're tempted to minimize them. And Jesus here is saying, it's going to be okay. The Spirit is going to work in your life. He will be present with you. He will be teaching you of me. He will be leading you into all truth. And so, Christian, our goal should be to be in harmony with the Holy Spirit. If we are in harmony, if we are listening to the Holy Spirit, then that is good news. Because we are now in harmony with God Himself. The, the, all that the Father has is given to the Son. All that the Son has is given to the Spirit. And so we're in oneness and we're learning of the Spirit. We're growing in His teaching. And, and this is leading us right where we need to be in God's plan. And so we can be reassured as we walk with God and as the Spirit works, we can know that God is doing exactly what He wants to do in our life. Now, we didn't get to this, but later in the, in the passage, he's going to talk about difficulties. Last week or two, we talked about the hatred of the world. So the message we're reading today is a message right in the middle of troubles and trials, right? Hatred of the world and sorrow of heart, and yet right in the middle of it, we have, you have the Holy Spirit. If you're born again, the Bible says you're born of the Spirit. If you've been saved, you've been saved by God and His Spirit lives within you. And that means you have what you need for the hatred of the world. You have what you need for a changing world. You have what you need when your heart is sorrowful. There's God within you to give you grace day by day. Are you living in fear? Are you living in doubt? Are you living disconnected from the Spirit in some way? Are you grieving Him? Are you arguing with the Holy Spirit? When God prompts you and leads you and teaches you, say yes. Just as if Christ himself were physically present, looking you in the face. Say, yes, Lord, I'll do that. Yes, Lord, I'll obey. I'll yield. I'll do. I'll go. I'll give whatever it is that the Spirit tells you to do. Most of you are fully aware of this, but I'll just say it. I am not the Holy Spirit. I'm not. I love you. I'm your friend and I'm your pastor, but I'm not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. God within you. I make mistakes. I don't always get everything just right. But the Spirit will never lead you wrong. Never. So learn to trust Him. Learn to listen. And let Him have His way. You'll be glad you did. When life changes, when difficulties come, to know that calming, comforting voice of truth within. That is our Spirit. The Spirit, the gift from God above. Let's pray together. I don't know how God has used the message today. I didn't plan to spend so much time on these first verses, but this is how God wanted things to go for this moment. If you're here and you say, Pastor John, I'm not, I'm not saved. I don't believe I have the Holy Spirit. I, don't, I, 
have not experienced his teaching and his working. Maybe you say, I experience his working because he's convicting me of sin and that I'm not saved. Then you need to be born again today. As was stated earlier with the baptism, salvation is full faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. It is reliance on him to pay the penalty for all your sin. Eternal life is a gift, not of effort or of works, but it's a gift of God through his death and his resurrection for you. If you're here as a believer and you say, Pastor John, I've been arguing with the Holy Spirit in my heart. Let me just encourage you in this prayer time right here. Yield to him. Confess that sin of, of, of rebellion and then turn to him in submission and say, I will seek to listen and follow as you lead. Let's bow in prayer as we close. Lord, I thank you for this passage. You spoke so graciously and so clearly to your disciples. You wanted them to know that you were not abandoning them, that you were providing your presence to guide them into all truth and to anchor them in a changing world. Lord, where we live today, we need this truth. We need this anchor in a changing world. When pressures come and when there is opposition, Lord, we look to you. And I ask that we individually and we together as a church would be in harmony with your spirit. Dear Spirit of God, may you work in clarity and, and continue in those ways or areas where we're opposing you. Would you continue to, to speak and to, to, to do battle with us where we would come to yield ourselves to you? Life with you when we are united and in harmony is so sweet. And life when we are opposing you is so difficult and so empty. And Lord, would you teach us the simple submission of yielding to you and I need this grace in my life. I need this spirit, this attitude of submission to you. And would you teach us all to let your spirit lead and, and be God in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet.